Oh, hello, friends. Hi, it's um, three o'clock on Sunday because normal office hours are at six o'clock, but tonight I am going to Brooklyn to see a show. So I wanted to make sure that we had time to do my office hours on Sunday because I tried on Monday this week and y'all lie. Monday is not a good day. So I'm here on the weekend and I am here and ready to take your questions. Um, it looks like we're having a little bit of trouble building an audience day. Shocker, because it's a weird time, but you know, we're gonna sit here and we're going to do it. So, it is office hours. For those of you who have not joined me for office hours, it is an hour every week where I will sit here and take any of your industry questions. No question is stupid or small or unimportant. I will answer them in the order that they came in. I have some that people have already sent me that I wanna to get to. Uh, and I always like to say, please take whatever advice or thoughts that I give you with a grain of salt. If something does not feel good to you, or if you're like, that's not my track, that is not the answer to my question, I feel great about that. Keep going, swipe, look away, do whatever. I am not for everyone, but I am here, I am a free resource, and I will take any and all of your questions today. So say hi, let me know that you're here, give me a like, give me a thumbs up, give me something to let me know that you you guys are here and enjoying this. Um, okay, so for those of you who have joined me before, you know I always like to start with something that has either kind of happened to me this week or happened to a client this week or happened to an actor that I know. Um, and this week I just really want to talk about like a discovery that my husband and I had. Oh, hey, Andrew. Hey, what's up? Um, a discovery that my husband and I kind of had. We like to sit down every couple of weeks and kind of talk about our learnings um, because it's important and like a little nerdy, but also really important. So we were talking about kind of who I was when we first met and our relationship and uh, how different I am now from when we first met uh, in a lot of positive ways. And one of the things we were talking about was how my definition of success has really, really, really changed since when we first met. When we first met, my definition of success was like, win the Tony, be the best, always the best, and the thing that defines success is winning an award or getting the gold star or doing something to the place of absolute perfection where everybody says, yes, you are the winner, you are the best, and that means you are successful. And that truly was like my MO for a life. I wasn't gonna do something if I wasn't gonna be successful at it, and since my definition of success was like winning, then um, it stopped me from doing a lot of things that I wish I might have done. So what's changed though in that time since then was that I completely recalibrated what my definition of success was from kind of short-term, good-feely, award-winning goals to long-term relationship-building, momentum to the climb goals. Yes, Miley Cyrus, honey, she knew. It's the climb, y'all, it's the climb. But still planning things along that kind of mountain towards success um, that make me feel good, that make me feel like I'm achieving things. And I think that kind of like is most encapsulated in this idea that I talk to a lot of my clients about and a lot of artists who talk to me um, about this idea of it's not about the audition, it's about winning the room. It's not about winning the job, it's about winning the room. And so this is kind of the little nugget that I want to talk about um, today. You know, a lot of auditions are, it's holiday season, so things are slowing down a little bit, but January is about to come. And there are going to be a lot of auditions. A lot of you, if you're going in for pilot season, you know, you're going to be doing a crazy number of auditions in one day. There's a lot of theater coming up, and you're going to go to a lot of auditions, and you're not going to get the job. And that's just real life. You're not going to get the job at a lot of auditions, not because you're not talented, but you know the drill, it's politics, it's the parts, it's whatever it is. However, you need to change your frame of mind 
to this idea of I just want to win the room. And winning the room doesn't mean you have to win every single person in the room. And that tripped me up for a long freaking time of like every single person has to love me, every single person has to, and clearly for me it's not like in the audition room standing in front of someone singing, but it's like if I go to an event or to a party or if I'm at a meeting a group of people, I need to win everybody there. And that's just not the truth because you're not a freaking human taco. Like you are not a human taco. You are not going to please everybody. It's just never going to happen. But if you can win one person in that room, that's the long game. That's the long game. And I cannot tell you the number of people who come in for me who are just not right for the show. And it's probably my fault because I've been the one to call them in, right? And, you know, we're all still learning each other's truths and ticks and all the things. But just because you didn't get the part or win the show, you can show me something incredible about you as a human, as an artist, as something that's really, really, really tangible, and you have won me. And people know I will fight for people. I will fight for them to get the job. I will fight and bring them in for anything they're remotely right for and really, really, really fight for artists who I believe in and who um, believe in themselves and who have a point of view. So it's worth it. There are, there are usually like two to five people in a room. There are MDs, there are directors, there are companies who are also MDs. You know, you just need to do the work to ensure that maybe one person in that room has been won over by you. And that is not just in an audition room. This is the new way that you need to define success for yourself. And that is that idea of it's not about the shiny, shiny trophy or the shiny, shiny job or the shiny, shiny award or the shiny, shiny kiss at the end of the night. It just really isn't because those things go away so fast. And the person who won the award this season does not win it again next season. Sometimes they do, but it's very, very, very rare. You know what I mean? The people who win the room continue to work. The people who win a person continue to have a meaningful relationship. And when I flipped that kind of idea of my definition of success, it also enabled me to let go of people who, um, who I was trying so hard to win over for absolutely no freaking reason, right? Like, why? Why keep beating a dead horse when someone is just not in your tribe, okay? Like, stop. When I stopped doing that, when I kind of cut out the fat, when I, when I decided that there were just people I was never going to please because my MO of a life did not work with theirs, all of a sudden I had the freedom to do the things that I wanted to do. I had the freedom to believe in myself and to invest in the people who actually wanted to invest in me. And then I just can keep winning at least one person in the room. I'm never going to win everybody in the room, ever. Because no matter who you are or what you believe in or how you fight for it or any of that stuff, people are not going to like you. You are not a human taco. You just are not. I'm sorry. You're just not. And I say that because everybody likes a taco. <laughs> everybody needs one. And, and the reality is we don't with people. So flip your switch this season or for life and realize it's not about winning the job. It is about winning the room at least one person in the room. And side note, that one person that you win in the room can be yourself. It can be yourself. If you win the room because you feel like you did a great job for yourself and you found something that you believed in and you did work that you believed in and you walk out of that space, guess what? You won. You won. You won. Because most people don't. 
Most people, we talk about this, walk out with a kind of cone of shame thinking, oh God, what did I do? Who didn't like me? I fucked that up. Ah, if you walk out of the room and you're not in that cone of shame, you won. You won the room. Bonus, you probably won some other people in the space. So that's my little kind of nugget of wisdom from this week. Uh, I hope that was helpful. Um, it looks like some people think it might have been. I'm, I'm trying to see. Um, okay, so I have... Um, a lot of questions that have been asked to me already. If you have additional, yep, now it is. Um, and I would like to start answering some of these questions. So again, please feel free if you have any questions to put them below. I will get to them as soon as I can. A lot of people had a lot of questions for me this week, so I'm going to start answering those. Um, again, guys, I take any questions about anything, um, especially if it's industry related. I'll answer your questions if they're not industry related, but uh, if they are, bonus. Okay, so this is a question that I got. It says, I'm currently working on getting some video content together for my website. I was thinking of shooting one legit cut and one up. Oh, there he is, like a rock. Hey, pumpkin. What's up, dude? Hey, you want to say hi? Oh, no, you're interested in something else? And he's gone. Okay, um, so I'm currently thinking of getting some video content together for my website. I was thinking of shooting one legit cut and one pop song to start with while I look for my guaranteed funny cut. How many videos would you suggest a person put on their website? Okay, first and foremost, there's no such thing as a guaranteed funny cut. I just want to put that out there because what you think is funny, I definitely might not think is funny. Someone else might not think is funny. Someone else might think is the funniest thing they've ever seen. So if you think it's solid and you really enjoy performing it, then that should be your funny cut. But don't set your brain up to fail when you say it's a guaranteed funny cut. Because if you feel like it's guaranteed to be funny and then someone doesn't laugh, then you're going to feel like you have failed. And that's just not the truth, right? Lots of people enjoy slapstick and lots of people don't. It is a taste thing. That's just a little side note moment. But in terms of what video footage you should have on your website, this is a really great question. I um, talk a lot, I'm shedding, it's winter y'all, it's winter. Um, I talk a lot about websites and what should be on them. And one of the things that I really, really, really uh, continue to say over and over again is if there is something that I can click that helps me know what you do, then you definitely, definitely should have that readily available and easily searchable. And that also goes for things like your actor's access account. Please, please, please have footage on your actor's access account if you can, because um, if you submit and I'm interested and uh, I need to learn a little bit more about you and it's really easy for me to just click on something, then I'm probably going to click on it and it's going to help me really assess in that moment. Um, in terms of your website, though, uh, if you're a musical theater actor, I really think it's important to have uh, something that shows us what it is that you do best. And honestly, if that's one song, that's fine. Um, my recommendation, of course, is to have a couple different songs, a couple different sounds. If your voice allows you to do very, very, very legit musical theater and also like you can give me a full rock of ages moment then i highly recommend having both of course on your website um it it really fundamentally kind of helps us navigate what we're looking for uh and if i'm casting something that's a, a rock musical and you have something from carousel on your website it's certainly um gonna inform me about your instrument and the quality of it but maybe not uh the the styles that you can do with it does that make sense so i think personally on a website there should definitely be, uh, at least if, if you can do video clips, which all of you can, because I've seen all y'all in the waiting room. You all have these phones. Ooh, she's dirty. Oh, that's so gross. Um, but you can make a video very easily. Um, so having footage of you singing something that really shows 
who you are. It, it's that thing of if I were to look at you and say, um, you know, you're not auditioning for a show. You are just trying to show who you are. What two songs would you sing? Those are the ones that should be on your website. Um, and also, you know, if you're a dancer, clearly you need to have a choreography reel or some sort of footage of you dancing. If you look at me and you say you're more than just a strong mover, then it would be awesome to have some video footage of you doing some choreography. It's really, really useful. Um, and if you can have a scene, some sort of scene of you doing some acting, uh, a, not to say that you're not acting when you're singing, but if you can do some acting outside of your singing, that would be fantastic. Um, again, all of these things are very easily doable with your cell phone. I know that sounds crazy and you want it to be uh, a high, high quality. And believe me, if you want to invest and do something absolutely beautiful, I'm here for it. And it's super helpful. But I would much rather you have something clickable on your website anything clickable um then have nothing and not me and and for me to not be able to see the skills that you have right does that make sense i would much rather have a video of you singing uh on an iphone than nothing at all so that is my two cents about that i hope that that was helpful um, okay, there was another question. In terms of the tone of your website bio, would you suggest it be uh, a spruced up Playbill bio where you mention credits, or is it okay to be more first person, more artistic statement-esque? I feel like the answer is a mixture of both. Well, I feel like you're right. I I have very strong opinions about a bio on a website. I really don't need it. Um, you know, here's the real truth about everyone who is an artist. We all have a story about where we came from and how we got to New York and what our education is and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so I really appreciate if it's important to you to take the time to create a bio because it helps you craft your narrative, do it. Take the time, do it. However, um, it's not always super useful to, to me or someone in my position, and we probably aren't going to read it. Um, the information that we need nine times out of 10 can be found on your resume, including, like you said, your education and the parts that you've played, your special skills, whether you hold a passport, all of these kind of things can usually be found on your resume, which needs to be on your website. My suggestion is instead of doing like a personal bio or a personal statement, um, having a news section and letting us know what you're up to or just like you know feel free to put it on there just know it's not that deep i see people who struggle so much to write their bio and to them i say why is this such a struggle why don't you know your story what is what is it who are you what do you like how has where you're from actually influenced the work that you do so it shouldn't be that difficult to write your bio. If it is, that's about work that you need to do. And so dig deep and do it. Just know the reality is if you want your bio just to say like, hey, I'm Kate, I like gardening and watching Sherlock and I happen to be a casting director, that's cool too. That's kind of what my bio says on my website. It's literally like, you want to hang out with me? Let's drink iced coffee and watch Sherlock, um, which is great. And you know a lot about me after I say that. You know that I like iced coffee and I'm a nerd. There it is. Um, so don't stress out about bios. It's really not that deep. Most of the time we don't read them um, because we can tell a whole lot about your story based on your resume. And the reality is we want to hear you tell your story. I want to get to know you. I want to see it through your work. Um, and that's more important to me than what you write on a bio page. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay, great. Um, okay, what else? I got another question here. Um, 
Okay, a company that I really want to work for is doing a production of the same show that I'm in now. What's the best way to invite them to the show and ask them to be seen for the role? Every time I start one of those emails, it feels yucky and desperate. It also doesn't help that the self-tape I sent them a few months ago was not my best work. Um, is there a way to bring that up, that being baby's first self-tape without being mean to myself or the journey? Okay, so this is a really great um, question. Again, so the question is, I'm in a show right now, and there's another theater company that's doing that show, and I want to be in it. How do I invite people to see my work, especially when my self-tape wasn't great? Um, okay, so first and foremost, uh, be kind to yourself. Self-tapes are hard, and uh, they're not always great, and sometimes they are great, and you get better with time, right? So let's always be kind to ourselves. Self-tapes are a skill that is learned, and it's not often taught in college, so, uh, you know, keep doing them, keep practicing them. I often tell my clients, hey, yo, make fake self-tapes whenever you can, set your little tripod up, and just make a tape for a show that you want, even if no one's asked you to do it for practice. So that first and foremost. Um, but then in terms of inviting someone to uh, be in your, to come see your show and feeling, what did you say? You said, oh yeah, you feel desperate. Okay, well first we need to address this kind of elephant in the room, this desperation elephant. Um, you have to ask for what you want. I say this over and over again, but I'm going to say it again. No one can know you exist if you don't tell them. They just, they just can't. No one can know you exist unless you show up and you tell them to be looking for you. And that is especially true now in a, in a post-Glee era in this industry, right? Everybody and their mother wants to be an actor, wants to be a musical theater actor, wants to do this work. Um, and so you have to tell people that you exist and show them why they should invest. So, you know, if you're doing this part, and I, and I know the woman who, who wrote this question, you know, is very specific. She's very right for this part. It's a, it's a perfect part. She should be playing it all over the country. Um, so it's not desperate. It's not desperate to ask for what you want. It's not greedy. It's not selfish. It's not, you know, it's not like a humble brag. It's not self-aggrandizing. It's none of these things. It is your job. It's your job. So we just have to navigate how we write these emails, how we communicate with people, how we do this work. It comes off as desperate if it's like, please, please, please like me, right? There's a difference between begging someone to come see something and providing an opportunity, especially if that opportunity is mutually beneficial to someone, right? You have to remember the people who are casting the show that you're asking someone to come see are looking for... Uh, looking for this part. Like I said this the other day, I was like, I really do want you to be the best one in the room because nine times out of 10, I don't get paid until we figure out who this group of humans is until there is a cast and everybody y'all need to get paid. Y'all want to get paid. I want to get paid too. Right. That's, that's, that's the truth. So, um, so you can invite someone with the knowledge that they're probably not going to come right? So if you made a self-tape for these people before and you think that it wasn't great, but you're already to a place where you think you want to invite them to come see a show with the knowledge that they probably can't travel or they don't have time or, you know, they're already living in the world of this show right now. The last thing they want to do is go watch it again, especially if that's going to taint their vision for the show, which a lot of people would probably say. Why don't you send the email to the person that you're thinking of sending and say something along the lines of, Hi, um, you know, we were in contact before. I, um, sorry, my computer just went blank. 
<laughs> um, say something like, hi, we were in contact before. I sent you a self-tape a while ago. Um, I just want to let you know that I am currently playing this part, uh, and I have attached another video of me doing this work. Ding! Um, I've attached another video of me doing this work. Please check it out. I'm still very interested in coming to work for your theater. If you would like to come see the show, I would be more than happy to provide two comps for you and, and a friend. Uh, please just let me know and I can put those aside for any time. Here is the schedule of the rest of the show. Right, so then we have done a couple things. We've reinforced that they already wanted to see you. You've reinforced that you are talented enough to do this part because you're already doing it. You've attached a new self-tape, right? Something that you feel more confident about since you told me you didn't feel great about the first one. It shows you've taken the time to put that work on tape and to do it in a way that you feel confident with. They might have forgotten about the other tape and this might be actually the first kind of impression. Um, and then you've provided them the option with the knowledge of an out Right, saying like, I'm sure you probably can't make it, but please know I would love to have you and a guest come to see the show and put those tickets aside anytime you want. You've also been really specific by putting the dates of the show, the location of the show, so that it's very, very, very easy for them to see in the moment, yes, I can or no, I can't. Don't make someone search, don't make someone do a follow-up email. But there's nothing desperate about that moment. You've taken action, you have been very kind and considerate to the person, you've provided uh, an, another you know, self-tape to them um, so that they can continue to see you and to see your work. And bonus, if they do happen to want to come see the show, then you've invited them, right? But they have an out because they know that you know that they probably most likely can't or don't want to because they're already in the process for that show. Does that make sense? I think that that should make sense. Um, you, in, you do this email once and then you let it go, right? This is not something we follow up on five times. That is when it starts to get desperate. And again, you should only do this if it's someone in this like specific instance, you have an email address because you've already been corresponding with these people. They've already had interest in you. This isn't gonna come completely out of left field. This is a different conversation if it is coming completely out of left field. Um, and that's a conversation we've had a couple times before on this show. So if you're interested in figuring out how to reach out to agents or managers or um, casting directors to come see your shows, please feel free to look at old videos or to check out the podcast on Apple iTunes um, to hear some of that kind of information. So I hope that was helpful. Um, I think I answered your question. If you have any follow-ups to that, guys, just let me know. And truly, if you have any questions, please put them in the box below. This show is only as good as your questions. Um, okay, I have another question here that says, where can I find some good examples of self-tape or a musical theater reel? I'm trying to put some work together, but I'm having trouble discerning what to include. I'm pretty sure no one wants an entire video of me belting my face off. Okay, so this is kind of in the same vein as to what we were talking about before, um, but I do, I can put some specifics in here. Um, in terms of a reel, two minutes max. No one's gonna watch beyond two minutes. Also, I guarantee you people are gonna kind of uh, click through it. You know, most people don't have a whole lot of time to watch like the whole reel. Um, they want to see multiple facets of who you are and what your voice is and, and what your style is. So instead of just, uh, if you're making a reel, right, uh, instead of just making it one song, like you said, of you belting your face off, uh, having little snippets, like the money parts of songs, dink, 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 in a row, so that when we click through, there are, you know, multiple things to listen to and, and look at in under two minutes. 
bravissimo. That's what is super useful. And then my other recommendation is if it's like on your website, you have your reel at the top, which is kind of your super cut moment, but then have all of the footage of the other songs available on your website too. Because if you're doing Meadowlark and it's just from like, I've got to go fly away, right? We have that part. Um, Maybe I want to see your storytelling. Maybe after I hear your money note at the end, I want to go and I want to see more of that. So have it available. Why not? It's just embedding one more link. Do it. You know what I mean? Um, But in terms of seeing good examples of reels, uh, would it be helpful to you guys if I put together maybe on my website, on my blog, like a couple sample reels that I think are really good reels of choreography, of... um, of singing, maybe an acting reel. Is that something that would be useful? Let me know if that would be, give me like a thumbs up or just say yes in the comments and I will make sure to do that next week. I'll put together just like a whole cluster of reels that I think are really, really, really strong and might be really useful to you guys when you're editing. So let me know in the comments below and I will, uh, I'll make that. Um, great. So then I have another question here. Uh, yay, lots of questions versus Monday of last week where I was like, goodbye, there are no questions here today. Um, okay, so this question says, you often talk about finding our own perspective. How did you find yours? How do I find mine and bring that to the table? Yes, I talk about this all the time, right? What do we talk about? Um, I'll give someone 20 points if they can tell me the Kate Lumpkin most important essentials to being a working actor right now. Yes, samples would be great, Mark. Okay, great, I will put that together. That will be on my blog, which is no marking. It's kate-lumpkin.com slash no marking. And I will post that on my professional Kate Lumpkin casting page. Um, Okay, great. So when it comes to finding your own perspective and how I found mine, um, this is... (sighs) I was, I was talking to kids at the Broadway Collective in Denver last weekend, and we were talking about how, you know, your, your job for the rest of your life is doing the work to figure out who you are. And the unfortunate part is you're never, ever, ever going to succeed at it. Um, it's a job that you can't win a trophy for, and you will never have all the answers to it. Um, so it's, it's one of those jobs that sucks because it's like pushing that stone up the mountain and knowing the boulder's just going to roll right back down on you and you're going to have to keep pushing through. But that's, that's what you signed up for, right? Being an artist, especially being a performing artist is about using your own sense of self and purpose and light and enlightening other humans through text and through your body and through your mind. Um, and sharing stories to remind us of our own humanity and our own struggles. So if you haven't done the work to get in touch with your own humanity and your own struggles, then you are never ever going to be the kind of performer that you want to be. Um, And we're gonna talk about vulnerability and accountability right now. Um, In terms of, you know, your question of like, how did you find your point of view? Um, My point of view came through a whole lot of failure and a whole lot of, regret and sadness and work and uh, um, taking the time to evaluate what my strengths are and how I can apply them to helping others. Um, and through 
just a whole lot of work. Uh, if anybody knew me 10 years ago, I was definitely, like we were talking about earlier, I was not the human being that I am today. I really hadn't done that work. I spent a lot of my life, I was an actor in, in my childhood, and I think I spent a whole lot of my time creating a really highly characterized version of what I thought I was supposed to be by grabbing lots of little parts of characters I had played and putting them into this kind of configuration and uh, I decided that that would be the the version of me that I would present to the world this like very uh, performative um, fake little bits of like Marion Peru and the cowardly lion and you know little girl and and all of the kids from sound of music and you know all of these things together to create a, a version of a life that I thought people wanted to see from me I was very convinced that that was a great way to create a point of view and it's not the parts that you play are not the person that you are. And uh, it should be the other way around, in my opinion. Um, and so it took me hitting like really, really, really rock bottom of realizing I had no sense of identity to try to find one. And when I hit that rock bottom and I realized I didn't know anything about my own point of view or my own worldview, um, I had to start figuring it out and it's it's it took a lot of work figuring out what music I actually like to listen to and what food I actually like to eat and what my real fears were not the fake fears that I put on to try to get attention from other people and uh, what uh, I actually wanted to do with my life and how I wanted to live and be helpful and, and be a part of society uh, and I tried a lot of things and I did a lot of, of work and studied a lot of different things and dropped out of a lot of different programs and just kind of clawed my way to find any sense of identity. And, uh, you know, it still changes all the time. Just like everybody who's watching this, I'm sure it changes all the time. Um, but that's also life. That's real life. So that's the, you know, the great work, right? That is our great work. Um, and the ways that I think you can help craft your point of view, scrap everything in your book, Start again. Stop singing the same shit you've been singing since you were 16 years old. What do you actually like to listen to? What actually speaks to your soul? How does this current state of the world make you feel? Sing it. Put it in your book. Do the work. Actually do the work. Stop singing the same shit you've been singing forever. Do the work as to who you are right now. Eat new food. Stop ordering from the same seamless restaurant every single night and order something different. Try something different. Walk on a different path to the subway. Look up. Put your phone down. Pick your phone up more if you don't look at it and try to engage in a different way with the world. All of these things are what are going to help you craft a real life and a real sense of self and a real sense of purpose. Adopt an animal, for God's sake. Animals are the key to understanding yourself and how you function with people who, who can't communicate with you in the way that you want them to. Because guess what? Your animal will not talk to you like a human will, ever. And you have to figure out a way to function with them. All of these things can help you really craft an identity. And it will show in the room when you've done the work to figure out what it is. Your material will be better. Your, you will feel more comfortable. The clothes that you wear will feel way more authentic to who you actually are. I hate the word authentic, but it's real. Um, you know, you will know, and I will know, and everyone in the room will know when you've done that work and when you've let the realities of how you actually feel about things into yourself. Um, and that's, that's it. You know, I mean, it's, and like I said, you will always fail. I always fail. I always fail at knowing who I am. The second I think I got it, I don't. 
and then we move forward <laughs> and just keep trying. Um, you know, anyone who went to college with me knows I'm, I'm totally different than I was in college. Anyone who went to high school with me knows I'm totally different. But I will say the thing that has been a constant is a desire for betterment. And that is something that um, I really appreciate about myself. And I think a lot of artists also have. So um, try to better yourself by understanding yourself is what I, I would say. And then apply that to the work that you're doing in the room. Um, and it will happen naturally. Ah, ah, that's my two cents. Ah, all right. Um, okay, so I got another question here and then it looks like I got a question live. So I'm gonna answer this one first and then I'm gonna answer that one. Um, this says, casting is changing right now. Amen, honey, every day, every day. Um, casting is changing right now and it's so thrilling to be considered for roles that I wouldn't be considered for in the past. The crazy part is that I now don't know what to submit for. Before, if the notice said curvy or larger than life or enjoys a good donut, what breakdown was saying enjoys a good donut? What breakdown? I'm gonna kill him. Anyways, um, I knew that they were looking for someone my size. Now there's this incredible wave of acceptance and diversity and I'm ironically struggling with breaking away from how I type myself. Okay, this is a really, really, really great question. And I have had this conversation like four times in the last week, so let's, let's have it. Um, we are at a really thrilling time, a really thrilling time in casting. And honestly, it's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting, but it's the good, it's the good kind of exhausting. It's a good work where everything is changing and um, nobody in casting or as actors or producers, nobody has any like perfect solid answers and we're all just trying to figure it out together. But it's thrilling that the conversation and the effort is happening at all, right? It's thrilling and it's never, it's not perfect and people are still making mistakes, myself included, I'm sure on the daily. Um, and so I hope that we're having, you know, um, open dialogues with open hearts and we're really trying to figure this out together. It is thrilling that people are at a place where they finally feel like they can submit for projects that they never were allowed bleh, to submit for before, but now they can. But it's also difficult, right? Because you don't want to be someone who's submitting for every project, um, but if you don't submit for any of them and you feel stuck in this thing and it's like, what is my type? Blah, 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 um, it's a hard place to be. I get it. I hear you. I see you. I value you. Um, here's the thing. The notion of type still exists. I, I don't subscribe to it or I really try not to, but sure, there are, there are definitely people who still subscribe to this idea of type and that who you are, like what you look like defines what you can do. I think that's really unfortunate personally. I do think it still exists, but I think we are seeing a huge wave of maybe that isn't true. Yay! I'm in like the Kermit the Frog, like, ah! right? Like it's so thrilling. It's so exciting that that's the reality. I think what this comes down to in terms of self-submission and in terms of thinking beyond what your body dictates you can do is just that. You, when we're talking about doing the work, right? It is just that. It is saying, okay, I have to let go of my preconceived notion of what my body deems me able to do. Um, sorry, I'm getting all these text messages. Whoa! Um, you have to get out of the zone of telling yourself 
And, and I don't blame people. I don't blame people at all for having this idea in their head of what they're allowed to do because society forever, forever has told you that your body dictates your body. Every piece of it dictates what you're allowed to be, who you're allowed to fall in love with, what music you're allowed to sing, what clothes you're allowed to wear. To that, I say, fuck that noise. A fuck that noise, fuck it. Things are changing. So the reality is you guys who are actors who are submitting also are a part of the change. If you think you have the vocal abilities to sing something, you have the abilities of storytelling to tell a story, um, and there's not like a specificity in the breakdown, um, you know, it's like not a show about size or a show about race or a show that is really about how your body, you know, how society deems your body dictates a life, right? If the show is about that, please think, be very, very thoughtful about how you're submitting. But if that's not included in the breakdown, you have an opportunity to educate other people or to, to ask someone to think bigger and to think differently. You have every right to submit for the things that you want to submit for. There's a reason that you're allowed to self-submit for projects or that you, you know, there are conversations you can have with your agents about what you think you are, what you should be doing. They have, of course, every right to uh, tell you they think differently, but it is your body. It is your brain, it is your heart, it is your voice, it is your capability for storytelling that that should dictate the life and the work that you wanna be doing. And now is a crux, we are at a, at a really cool place where your voice should be heard. And you, you know, people are like, I still don't have any power, it's all in the hands of money, it's all in the hands of these things, okay. I value that. I, I hear what you're saying. There are still forces of power beyond your personal control, but something you can control is what you are submitting for. And that comes down, like we were talking about, to you doing the work, understanding your instrument, understanding your body and its capabilities, and then submitting for projects that you think you're right for. And if it's not what it has traditionally been, great. Can't wait. Can't wait to see it. I'm here for it. I'm done with boring, 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 you know, same old shit, right? But it will be the same old shit unless you take the initiative to be submitting for things. So just try. It takes two minutes of your life, right? Okay, great. Um, uh, yeah, so that's kind of my response to that question. I think that there might be a follow-up to that question that I just got. So I just want to check in real fast. Um, great, recording again. Okay, so I got a question here. I am going to scroll up. Um, you just brought up Marion Prue. I was actually just cast as Marion. Hey yo, she's a tricky role. She's a lot. I'm excited for you. Um, and though I'm extremely excited, but a little bit nervous. Yeah, I, yes, for sure. Uh, what would be your biggest advice in approaching this character? Like, I guess since you're a casting director, yes, I am. Uh, if you were casting Marion, what would you be looking for? Now this is fantastic because I was actually just having a conversation about Marion Prue because I did play her in high school. Um, and we were talking about dream casting a new version of, um, the music man and who we'd want to see in it. This was a very cool conversation that I was actually having with a woman that I went to high school with yesterday. Craziness. Um, here's the thing. I'll just say this real quick since it's so specific to you, but I think it can apply to other characters. Um, don't underestimate Marion's intelligence. That's my thought. Marion Peru is a woman who is the smartest woman in every room and she knows it, right? She knows it. And we are 
you're creating the music man in a time where women are empowered now so perhaps there is a world where you just don't forget how smart she really is and how incredibly vulnerable it must be for her when she finds a man who is equally as smart as she is because Harold Hill is very very smart he can convince a lot of people to do a lot of things right um, just by the power of him talking what an attractive thing to a woman who doesn't do a lot of talking but does a lot of reading but can see him and see through him and play the game um, and to allow her guard to be let down and to be that vulnerable from a place of a powerfully intelligent woman is very attractive and very interesting in an audience and then there's that incredible moment of my white knight where she's saying she she's been looking for someone to help her uh, be the kind of best version that she is of herself and he, and she's waiting she's waiting and what happens when we're, we're waiting for someone to help us be the best version of ourselves and then they appear and they're nothing like what we thought they were going to be how terrifying that reality is especially for someone who is so book smart uh and who so desperately um wants to be seen how scary it is when we finally are seen that's what i think about marion peru she is someone who desperately wants to be seen but isn't, and what happens when we really truly are seen, how terrifying and vulnerable and also empowering that really is. Yeah, um, I think there are a lot of characters that are like that, these people who really uh, truly desire to be seen, um, and when they are, it is earth shattering for them, but also very exciting uh, and terribly amorous. Ah, I think our ingenues, we don't give them credit are are fearsome women who uh, who have been told that men will solve all their problems, and yet they often find that uh, they are the ones who can navigate the muck better than anybody else, and they can do it by themselves. But they might as well help somebody else in the process and feel loved. Eh, that's how I feel about ingenues. Give them guts, man. I'm so sick of women who are not courageous. Add the courage, even if it's not on the page. Eh. It's my two cents. All right, I think I have a couple more questions. Um, great, and yeah, I think that answered your follow-up question, Nicole. Let me know if that was helpful or anything like that. If anybody else has any questions, please feel free to give them to me. Um, I think I have one more here. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Let me pull it up. Nope, that's a picture of my cat. Okay, here we go. Um, this says, hey, Kate, what are some good non-pestering ways to stay current in your representation's mind, especially when you're new and not super familiar yet? Um, I can speak to this. However, again, I am not an agent. I am not a manager. I have never worked in an agent's or manager's office. Um, though I do talk to a lot of them frequently via email and on the phone and as humans in real life. So to my, you know, to the best of my ability to answer this question, I think non-pestering ways we always talk about mutually beneficial relationships and the ultimate example of this right is an agent or a manager and an actor it's mutually beneficial because when you work they get paid <laughs> and feel happy and successful and and they feel good about what they're doing and and they are the ones who help you get that work get through the door do all that kind of stuff so you know in order to be mutually beneficial you guys kind of all need to be on the same page i would imagine you would all want to feel that way um you want to feel like you're being submitted you're going into rooms where you feel like you can actually uh not just survive but but thrive and book the job. Um, and that comes from communication. Now, every office I'm sure is different. Every human is different on how they like to be communicated. My suggestion would be doing that homework, 
sending an email or picking up the phone or whatever you're kind of stopping by the office, depending on what your relationship is and saying, hey, what is the best means of communication for you? What is the best means of communication? How can I get to you in a way that isn't annoying? Just be open and vulnerable and ask, especially if it's a new, um, a new relationship, a new office, just say, hey, here's the deal. If I have questions or if I have thoughts, what is the best way to be in touch with you? Is it to send you an email at the end of the week with kind of a roundup of things? Is Do you prefer phone calls? Do you prefer, um, you know, a daily communication, you know, it's, it's up to each person. So I think the best answer to that in terms of not being um, annoying is to uh, just be vulnerable and, and ask what the best way is. And, you know, you have, you have every right to, to engage with people. I, I firmly believe that, but you also have to engage with people on their terms. Um, if you want the right kind of response from people. I think. Um, so that's kind of my thought process, especially since I am not an agent or a manager. I really don't want to speak to that or try to put words in someone else's mouth because I don't do that job. So I, I don't know what that's like on the daily basis. Uh, and, and I don't want to tell them or try to tell you information that's not real. But I do think always, if you are trying to communicate with someone, the best way to do that is to say, how can I best communicate with you? Especially if I have multiple questions, you know, at one time. Yeah, does that make sense? I think that goes with anybody that you have any sort of working relationship with is take the time to figure out how to best talk to them and uh, and vice versa. Let them in. Let them know how you best like to be communicated with. Yeah? Okay. Um, and then this question, which I think might be my last question unless I get one from you guys soon. Uh, it says, I'd be interested in knowing your thoughts on names and name changing. I'm a fan of use your name, whatever it is, but I almost never see names as long as mine. Do you think that there's something to be said for simplification or does it matter? Um, you know, my loves, my great, great, great loves of my life. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Your name is your name. Is your name is your name. Whatever makes you feel good, and I'll tell you a personal story. My equity name is Katherine Lumpkin, which is my birth name, with a Y. And uh, when I went by Katherine and like really tried to make that work for me, it did not feel like me at all. It just didn't feel like me. And then when I got married, um, I decided not to take Craig's name because I'm not Kate Shank. I will never be Kate Shank. Lumpkin is a huge part of my identity. It's a weird name. It's a weird name. And people always look at me like, what? And I'm like, it's like pumpkin with an L. But now that statement of it's like pumpkin with an L has become a huge part of my like defining identity. If your name is long and it makes you feel like you, it's your name. Put it on your headshot. Put it on your website. Put it on your equity card. It's your name. It, if, if your name doesn't feel like you and you have an opportunity to change it and be whoever the hell you want to be, change your name. Make it shorter. Make it different. Make your name one name. Do whatever the heck you want. It's your life. It's absolutely your life. But really, the reality is, look at the stars. Look at the people that you admire. Like, their names only sound cool and, and important to you because you've been saying them for so long. The name Sutton Foster is beautiful. It's special 
but most importantly, it makes you think of a, of a type of talent, a feeling, something like that. It makes you think of Millie. It makes you think of, you know, of younger. It makes you think of uh, little women. It makes you think of these things and times in your life. And that's why the name holds power. It's not because the name is pretty or short or long or whatever. It just holds power because it reminds you of something that you have felt in your life before or seen. So you do you, Panda Bear. You do you. If your name is long, Make it long. If it's short, make it short. Just make sure it fits on a business card and a headshot. That's all I ask. So make the font smaller. That's it. But you got to be true to yourself. Period. The end. Yeah? Okay, guys. So that's all the questions that I got in advance. Um, and it looks like it's slowing down where, you know, numbers are, are dwindling and, and comments are going. So I think I'm going to wrap it up. This has been a wonderful hour. I so appreciate you guys joining me for office hours. Um, you can always find me here on Sundays, usually at 6 p.m., but I'm going to see a show tonight. Um, if you have questions for me, please feel free to email me, katelumpkincasting at gmail.com, or to send me a message on Facebook. I usually try to respond as quick as I can, but I make no promises that it will be in the same day. Um, I am here. I support you. I, I think you're great. It takes, you know, I always like to say it takes a lot of courage to be an artist. Um, and, oh, wait. I think that there... It's partnership, have conversations that settle the question of how the partnership work for best. Remove the pedestal and set the flow of partnership. Yes, great. That is a great comment. Remove the pedestal and set the flow of partnership. Um, I think you're wonderful. I think it is, uh, it is an interesting time to be alive and we are all just trying to, to make things happen in our lives. So I encourage you this week. It is a holiday week. Uh, communicate with someone. Talk with someone, have a real vulnerable conversation, eat a lot of treats, enjoy your time. Um, I hope that you all are doing something fun. Even if you're not spending time with family, I hope you're spending time with people that you love. And I uh, encourage you to see smart and make some art this week and just continue to be good human beings. I think you're all swell. And uh, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And uh, okay, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. And if you uh, like what you see here, please, please, please share with someone who you think might need to watch Office Hours in the future and or send them to my podcast, which you can find at iTunes. Just search for Office Hours with Kate Lumpkin and there are hours and hours of advice from previous shows. I think you're all wonderful. Have a great week. I will talk to you soon.